and welcome to the Steam Power Podcast. All right, live from beautiful downtown Southern Maryland, it's time for the Steam Power Podcast, episode number 76. For November 2nd, 2015, we are a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you the latest and greatest in science, technology, engineering, art, and math news, as well as the latest and greatest from the maker movement, Steam Power, the power to change the world. I'm Mike. I'm Lisa. It's time to get steamy. Steamy. All right. Um, welcome to what could be described as the drunk cast. <laughs> Not for me. Not for her, but for me. <laughs> I am taking the day off to celebrate my 34th birthday, 34 years around the sun, mm-hmm. like that, kind of an ellipse yeah. thing. Um, so I've been around the block a couple more years than you have, so. And that's why I love you. I love the experienced <laughs> woman. Just saying. I am very lucky I have the best wife in the world. She is the most amazing, beautiful creature I've ever met. So. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I thank you for putting up with me. Especially today. All right. That's a good story. That's a way to kick it off. <laughs> um, I got nothing else. I'm trying to think of anything. No. Oh. oh, I was going to say, I don't think there's In anything. Humans, number one, The Uncanny Humans. It's a pretty good read. What does that have to do with steam? Uh, art. It's art. It's I guess, yes. You're right. You're right. Um, comic is is the reason I'm getting yes. back into, into comics mainly is because I want to I want to start drawing again, like getting really good at drawing. And I find that don't get um, too good though, because then you discourage our daughter from drawing. It it makes her feel bad when you're always drawing better than she is. I trust you, I don't try. <laughs> because she would really like to be me. a good drawer. Like she tries, try. she tries hard. And she is a pretty good She's drawer. She's much better than I am. But, you know, she you draw people better than she does, I think. Well, because I have, what, she's a 10, I'm 30, I'm like 24 extra years on this planet. I don't think that matters with art. I think you're either good at it or you're not. No, honestly. trust me, trust me. When I was 10 years old, trust Oh, you weren't as good me, at it now? Believe no. me. Um, what I've, here's what, I, what, for me, it's patience. And that's that's the issue with our daughter, right? Yes. Is for me, I've learned to take the time to study and appreciate something. And that was my hardest thing to learn was to stop and slow down. And that's very much when you're 10 years old, you're impatient. You just I was a much better drawer in my teenage years than oh, no, I am no, no. now. I, I didn't start getting good until I was my late teens, early 20s. When I learned to stop and just take and appreciate um, my artistic... Um, Thing, what, mm-hmm. what's it called when you look your subject, your subject matter? Yes. Um. So anyway, are we shilling books now? I'm too? shilling books too. So, um, yeah, he's really good actually. So we have a tech library, a technical technology library, a technical library, um, where I work, and I picked up two that are really actually surprisingly good. Uh, human computer interaction fundamentals and practices by um, what was their names? Gerard Jong Hyun Kim um, and data science and big data analytics 
by EMC Education Services. It's a tech, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's not a written by anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there well, I'm sure it's edited by people, but yeah, it's a textbook. That I've been reading. This one's more textbook than one. This one is more practical, just, just straight to the point. Um, but there are really two new books I'm reading, actually, hmm. right, right now. Not I'm my idea of a good bee tree, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's November, so we're not going to the beach anymore for the foreseeable couple months. Oh, and somewhere back there is my birthday present. Yes. Captain... Uh, wait Captain a second. Phasma. Captain Phasma and Kylo Ren. Yes, somewhere back yes. in there. Thank you, dear. You're welcome. I I'm had excited. to go all over to find We're this. a month out from Star Wars Force Awakens. It's like being 1977 all over again. I think even Haley is, I don't know that I would say excited to go see it, but she's definitely warmed up to it a lot more than she was at first sure. when we told her we were going to take her to go see it. She said, at first she was like, no, 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 I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. She's now she's face. accepted it. And I wouldn't say looking forward to it, but I think she's open to it. Gotcha. Well, she's going to have to deal you. <laughs> yes. I think she's accepted her fate. <laughs> um, what else? What's- I, I think that's good. That's, is that everything that's going yeah. on in your world? I don't have anything. Are you going to be donating your hats and scarves you've been working on? Yeah, I do those every day. <laughs> it's getting All to right. that time of year it where is. I can... I'll be donating a lot, so... Set your clocks back if you haven't already. It's so depressing. 5.30 yes. and it's dark out. It means I have four more hours of daylight right now. <sighs> All right, let's get to the story. Yes, let's... Let's do this thing. <laughs> People like us because we're crazy. And that's okay. You're not usually the uh, crazy one. I've had a little drink for my birthday. Yeah. Not going to lie. All right. This one, let's, let's kick it off with this one. Yes, you explain this one. Man fails paternity tests because his unborn twin is actually the biological father of his son. Yes, explain this one, please. So apparently... This young or this man, uh, when he was conceived, he had a twin for a while that only lasted a couple of months and then it mm-hmm. died. So, you know, it never really got, it never even got to the embryo stage, right? Yes. But yes. technically, he had a twin uh, inside the, the egg that was nurturing him. Um, and then the, the twin was absorbed uh, by so he the, absorbed, his body. Right, because right? he was just a bunch of cells at the time, right? He wasn't okay, really, yes. So his body absorbed the remnants of his, of the brother, twin. Of, yes. of his twin. I gotcha. Whatever happened is that I guess that part of his twin got absorbed into his um, the, the his what he passes on to his children. Yes. So... You know, fast forward 20 plus years, he goes off and he has a kid. And the DNA that gets pat, the, the 23 chromosomes that he donates to his wife mm-hmm. to create a child is not actually the DNA that makes up most of his body. The 90% of his DNA is bypassed. The 10% or whatever that he absorbed from his twin, his twin mm-hmm. it actually creates okay. the, um, his But offspring. still, isn't it? 
at the point which he absorbed it from his twin, doesn't it become his? No, because at that point, because he was so far along in. So the twin was far enough along to have. They were its separate own... 23 chromosomes. Right? Okay. Yeah, okay. so his 23 chromosomes, or his 46, and the 23 he passed on, his 24 6 chromosomes were distinct enough from his brother's. That when he took a paternity, like the very now, can I ask how they test, found this out? They took more advanced paternity tests. I was going to say because tests. okay, think about it. First of all, in the real life, yep, if you're with somebody and you tell them that you know I'm pregnant or whatever. Most men aren't going to require a paternity test of right. their girlfriend or whatever. Or wife. So did. Was it was it questionable that he was this boy's father to so begin with? Apparently, the initial, or was he thinking maybe there is something screwy with my DNA and I just want to find it out, kind of thing, or what? So, so let's. We'll, we'll, we'll Did he dive initially? Deep into the because story. okay, look, I'm thinking from a woman's point of view. Right. Some guy takes the paternity test. And it says you're not the father of this baby. That's the end of right. that story. Right. Like so, I wouldn't in a million years think, well, maybe this guy really is the father, but it's his unborn twin. So you're trying to drive that is what? How did they know? Right. Yes. Like how did they know to go further along in the testing? Like I don't, I don't get it. Like right. So I don't know what really convinced the guy to test more but what happened was was they were in from they were infertile so the yes. only way she could get pregnant was through inter- intrauterine insemination yes so they injected the, the sperm into her directly uh-huh. yes um during ovulation so at the time though um so, well, wait, so then wait, why, wait, why so even take a paternity right, test? Right. So because but, they know it's his semen no, 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 they're no, injecting. Right. So what happened was is that both parents were of A blood type and the child was A B. Okay. Type. So it was, it was okay, the blood, okay. type, the blood okay. type that So the blood away. test came back different and they're like, wait, how did this happen? Exactly. We're both A positive or whatever. And okay, so I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, I got gotcha. The only uh, I guess this was a Caucasian couple. So the the fertility clinic they dealt with, the only other group, the only other um, couple that they had dealt with doing this this particular treatment was an African American couple. So, and so the baby was obviously not African American descent. So I was going like, to say, huh. I w- my first thought would have been the fertility clinic screwed up and injected somebody else's right. semen and not the husband's. Like when if it's a failed paternity test, that would be my first thought. Like. How did he even know he had another twin? The blood that type was right. So the blood type was the first indicator. Then they were like, "Wait a second! The only other couple we've dealt with that has had this intrauterine insemination, yeah, was an African American couple, and obviously, so therefore." But that doesn't mean they don't have other semen samples there from other guys that they could have grabbed and well, for whatever reason, guys, whatever reason. Know? The notion of that they screwed up the samples was ruled out too. Okay. Um, so then they there didn't, just seems like so many other directions right. you would think not. But they found out that what basically in the long run, um, they did the twenty three and the genetic service. They found out that um, the child's brother 
this this indicates it would be someone that you were related to, but not you directly. Yes. Um, and obviously the guy didn't have a brother, so they're yes. like, huh. And so they ruled it. They worked their way back, and they found that they, you know, did the they just assume was, that he had a twin, or is there some way to prove that? Yes, it's proved. It, it what they call it's called the the human chimera sub problem. Or, because or I mean, when you think about it, like, doesn't this have it's, broader implications for genetics in general for anybody? Yeah, like it's all, not like there's is, so many different. Right genetic tests that you have to do sometimes for illnesses and things like that, that are passed along in families. Yep. So you can't just say, Oh, I, the mother and father don't have it. Therefore the child shouldn't have it. Right. How would you, I mean, should everybody undergo <laughs> this testing to see if we have the a twin advanced. that was absorbed? That, right. So what you're know, basically, yeah. Like anybody who has to undergo any, some, any sort of genetic testing for anything that's serious matter, should they undergo this more advanced testing to see if this is even a possibility? Right. I mean, the point is, it's because it seems like it would have broader impact than just fraternity. But at this, at the same time, it was still, the guy was the one they, it was his semen that was extracted. Yes. It's just that his semen didn't line up with his DNA, with his DNA markers. That okay. His semen was basically... That just kind of blows my mind a little bit. Yeah. Like, the fact that that can even occur, like, so, how can the DNA in your specific semen not be yours? You know, it's just... Well, they call it's called, it's, it's, the idea is because there's a thing called the human chimera. And is uh, it... How common is it exactly? It doesn't say, it doesn't say how, how. For a woman happens. to be pregnant with twins, with one getting absorbed by, say, the 13 weeks. You know, whenever a woman finds out she's pregnant before she goes in for that first ultrasound, right. which is maybe around, you know, 20 weeks or. What, uh, or maybe the first ultrasound is usually like in the sure. 13 to 20 week range. Like what, what they if don't it's make clear before right. that, how would you even know? You what they know? don't make clear is if, if this is the is average or if this is they what they don't make clear in the article is that if it's this is the average or if this is just this particular case. But they say that DNA samples were taken from the cheek of the father, which was used for the original test, and his sperm. Once again, the cheek cells didn't match up with his child. Supporting the human chimera idea, what they had found was that a major genome accounting for 90% of the sperm cells and a minor genome representing 10% of the, of the genome. So my question was... This just was, kind of blows my mind because you think about implications like for crimes and yep. things like that. Like people who commit crimes and they say, oh, well, that's not your DNA that, that's at the crime scene or whatever. What if the guy did commit the crime and it was his unborn twin's DNA left at the crime well, scene? You know, it's, Right. But what it sounds like is that the more generic DNA testing confuses the two. So it was the same guy. Yes. It's just that at the genetic level... So I would be worried about the situation in reverse, but I don't know if that would really happen. Um, but anyway, it does. It makes you stop and think, right? Yeah. That that DNA and science is not as it's not as absolute as you think it is. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. All right. Next story. Definitely interesting. 
nationwide tests shows dip in students' math abilities. And to this, I say no shit. No, United. This is so. This is uh, United States. For the first time since 1990, the mathematical skills of American students has dropped, according to results in a nationwide release by the Ed- Department of Education on Wednesday. The decline appeared in both fourth and eighth grade uh, as an examination of every two years by the of National Of which our assessment. daughter was in fourth grade last year, right. so she would have probably taken this exam. So they also say uh, progress in reading, which has generally been more muted in math for decades, has also stalled this year. Stalled, fourth, though, right? Not, not um, dipped. Well, stalled. no, among fourth graders and, and amongst, it dipped a and little among eighth, eighth, eighth graders. Yeah, uh, actually decreased. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I think this I think the obvious it's Common Core. It, yes, the obvious no answer is Common answer. Core because you've got kids who are struggling with common math concepts because they're being taught nine different ways to do a problem when they don't need to know so many ways. We to had, do a problem. we had a math you know, problem just, the other day, model some like fractional division. I'm like, I don't even know. You're how, like, why would you like, do that? Why would you even want yes, and to what, just learn to divide? And exactly. Fractions. And what, that's How nice. would you even use that concept in real life? No, I, I explained to my daughter, like, okay, look, you take the you take the divisor, um, and however many times you have to move the decimal over is how many times you move the dividend, and then you keep track of that. And they're trying to teach the students to think conceptually, but I I sort of wonder how many studies have been done to even gauge the conceptual ability of kids at a young age. Like are their brains even equipped to think this way at that age? Well, obviously I'm not sure if the tests, what if, if nationwide tests are showing the dip, I would argue that yes, it is an issue. I mean, there's a bigger thing too, is that the common core curriculum has um, rearranged some of the subject, like the the more particular math subjects like statistics or division or whatever, from the grades that they used to be taught in, like they were saying some of the um, some of the things on this nationwide test, right fourth graders don't even know now because Common Core teaches it in a older at an older age. Yeah, and I'm wondering why we are doing that. Why are we moving things in that direction instead of, you know, shouldn't we want the students to be able to learn things at a, at the youngest age possible and not put them off yeah. so I think there's, until they're older. Right, there's two issues, right? There's this, there's this concept of, Common Core is the overarching thing. There's this thing called new math, right, which is another part of the math yes. part of it. I think both reinforce each other in negative ways in that your brain, when it comes to math, your brain can find one way that really works for you. And yes. You should stick with that instead of trying to show that you know nine different ways and to solve And proponents for problem. Common Core are saying – that what they're doing with showing all these ways of doing it is they are trying to help 
kids to find that one way that works for them. The problem is when the kid finds the way that works for them, they should be able to just do it that way, not force them to do it the nine different ways. Because like our daughter's having trouble with doing it some of the different ways. She just like your brain just isn't wired to think certain directions sometimes. So that's the problem. And then the new math thing is, they rely too on they they try to make it too abstract. Where when you're just learning, you have to just there is a part of rote memorization that is valuable and just upstand like yes. basic multiplication, basic division theory. You just need to you have to learn that first. Then you can later come on and appreciate the abstractness and how it can apply to a lot yes. of different things. But initially learning, you just have to learn it. And I think this idea of trying to make it so abstract where you can appreciate the math as a beautiful thing. Yes, kids aren't going to. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Working. I don't think kids can latch on to that yet. So I, I think. You and know, another problem is the teachers haven't been given enough instruction right. and, you know, support themselves to be able to teach it correctly. So I, think, so I don't. Exactly. I don't even know how. How. Um, successful common core actually is because it's not being implemented correctly in the classroom. So while while noble intent, the, the test results are showing it's not working. Something's not working. Right. So it's like, this is one of those things where, okay, people, if you're big about common core and new math, you have to deal with the fact that the statistics, the actual yes, results then show us are why showing you. Now that we've changed right. the common core, Something's our math wrong. scores are going right. back down. So, yes, yeah, something is wrong because they have, they have, have generally either stalled too. or risen, right. not dipped. Yes. So there we go. There's Something's the proof, wrong. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. Next story. Uh, I guess this is kind of mine. This yeah, I, I put it on there, but Cosmic I was thinking Death about Star you when I saw it. It's destroying the planet. Um, so I guess this is apropos since Star Wars is getting to come out. And there's rumored to include not just a Death Star, but a Star Killer is the is the enemy yeah. of the next one. Um, so let's read it here. Um, there's a series like... Basically, the it's it's just dissolving, I think. Right. So what they're saying is that this is the they're finding they found a um, basically like a right. It's a it's a kind of like a Pluto kind of size planet, right? That's the screen uh, that it disintegrates um, as it orbits a white star. Drawer, but it's white it's going to be star. gosh, what is it like? It's it's a, over a very long period, a million years of time, right? right. With, within about a million years, the object yes. will be destroyed. So what they're finding out is that uh, we've never observed anything mm-hmm. like this correctly. Um, but it looks like that it's, it's star, um, is emitting, what is it here? Um, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, Virgo, so straight boy, where, I missed it. So here's, theorists speculate the white dwarf shows evidence of heavy metals being polluted when they are consumed rocky planets or asteroids. However, the evidence was often circumstantial. A fraction of polluted white dwarfs shows signs of surrounding debris disks. But the origin of the disks was uncertain. The, this system shows all three. A polluted white dwarf, the star, a surrounding debris disk, and at least one compact rocky object. So what it's basically saying is that um, it's pulling the planet apart. 
is what it sounds like. Yes, and that the pollution of the star is due to right. the destruction of the planet. Right, through this gravitational tides from which the white dwarf can rip the body apart. So what it's saying is the gravity pull, the actual physical pull of that star onto that planet, you know, that, that force is actually ripping some of the planet apart. Um, that's pretty cool. That Yeah, that hasn't... Because usually once the planet is formed, um, the star... The only impact the star has is, is its orbit. Yes. So what we're saying here is that the dwarf star is so either it's so it's big actually or so close to the planet, bit. it's actually pulling yes. the planet apart. Um, and this is the first time we have evidence of it. That's pretty neat. Yes. That is pretty cool. Which makes you go back to thinking again as we try to figure out where you know what what sort of solar systems and what sort of planet arrangements could support life well this helps eliminate okay if it's this size when this distance it's probably um and it also the other part of it is when we see debris disks in what we think are fairly mature solar systems mm-hmm. which we think should have been planet formed maybe what we're actually seeing is that yeah it did form a planet and maybe it was but then it ripped it back yes, apart yeah which is pretty cool that's yep. a good story. Um, let's welcome. go back to the school one. Uh, current school start times are damp. So this is again more evidence. Yes. Uh, now this this kind of has been like this isn't anything new per se. Right. We've been thinking this for a while, but what this has shown is the the um, what the where the worst offender is in this is middle school and high school start times elementary is actually kind of on par right because it says about 8 30 for 10 year olds so that's you know our daughter's school starts at 8 30 and you know she's 10 so i think elementary is actually okay it's it's middle school and high school which start earlier Right. I think the middle school starts at like seven fifteen or something like yeah. that, it's and they're saying the kids are just simply too tired to learn that early in the morning. The way that their sleep patterns and their brains work, they just can't learn early in the morning. It, so if you go to middle school and your first period is math, you're out of luck. Right. So it's you the, know you're. And I really hope that doesn't happen to Haley next year because that that would be just her luck that she would have math first. And a study by researchers from the University of Oxford, Harvard Medical School, and the University of Nevada found that current school and university start yes. are damaging not only the learning but also the health of students. They are saying colleges eleven o'clock is a good start time, but I don't lump colleges in the danger zone per se because. I think majority of college students do try but that's to the schedule their classes. But there's a difference, in the right? In college, you can choose. Yes, you can choose what because there's usually a there's a there's at least a few different offerings of your class yes. every semester, right? And most college students, although they don't do it for the right reasons, <laughs> choose their their classes to start the, later. The, Earliest start time I, I had, had a, a I had a couple eight thirty classes was when like I was in probably nine thirty and that was my intro to double uh, intro to double E electrical engineering and that was the class that I got the worst grade. Yes, in. you know my my eight thirties were probably my worst too, and not necessarily my worst grades, but definitely I don't feel like I retained much out oh, of them because definitely. I can remember. Many times just going into class and just kind of staring at the wall like, 
you know, zombie because I was so tired. Here's what, what I find interesting about the stories is, is that even the U.S. Department of Health yes. has recently published an article. So it's gaining traction. Of changing yes. the start time. It's gaining traction. The thing that the uh, – now, middle school, I don't see why they couldn't do it. High school, I get the whole argument of if we push it too late, it affects sports practices after school. It affects students with jobs. Okay, I get high school a, a little bit. No, I don't. I, we, but still, it's more, important. it's more important to learn right. than it is to play a sport. Yes, it is. <laughs> the the so, we go to school. And there's learn. absolutely no reason that we can't push middle school back later. There really is. All right. There it is. There's two. That age of kids shouldn't be home by themselves before parents get off of work anyway. That's just, that's been proven to not be a good thing. Two it? stories with evidence that hopefully now people can change it. Um, yes. All right, here is um, a story from the a TED Talk. Um, Jennifer Dudna? Dudna? We can now edit our DNA, but let's do it wisely. Um, and I think this is just the age-old let's not play God with it thing. Right. right? So basically, let's read the background. So this, the, let's not um, do she is a co-inventor you know, of a technology. Because you know people with money, that's going to be the first thing. I want a blue-eyed, blonde-haired baby that you know right so it's here this is a classic case of technology and every technology suffers from this problem is that it's a double-edged sword so yes. on one hand her what she's invented can help eliminate genetic disease genetic based diseases right yes. diseases that are that are passed down from generation to generation on the flip side they can also be used to which create what you call yes. designer babies so in other words just as easy as I can, I can eliminate certain childhood diseases. Yes, I can also ensure that. Oh, well, I really want the blue hair, blue, uh, the blue, yes. the blue eyed. It's an ethical haired. question, right. yeah. And but you, I mean, the thing of it is, is the sad thing is, I think more people would want to use this technology to create designer babies than they would to eradicate diseases. Well, the issue with all these technologies is right is that. There's always I think a more high people cost, would be right? interested in, you know, hey, I wanted, I, and I think the biggest thing would be choosing the sex of your baby. And I that, want a boy or I right. want a girl. And that has a maybe huge not even so much impact. the the looks right. department, but just I, I mean, gosh, I've known couples who have you know had multiple kids and they've only gone on to have that last kid to either try for specifically a boy or a girl in the hopes that they would have, you know, the opposite of what they have, but you know, it just doesn't always work in their favor, but then they wouldn't change it. You know, now that they have the kids that they do, they wouldn't change the way it worked out. So do we really want to go down that road of. Right. Cause you look at, so you look at, you look at societies that like India and um, China that have always placed a um, higher value. I yes. would say on, on the male. On, on a male. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, at the, you know, at the, at, and in some cases in, there's some pretty, you know, vagrant uh, human rights violations that, you know, to the extent which they deal with trying to solve that, what they believe in their mind is an, is an issue. Um, 
you know, now with being able to do it while the, the you know, genetically at the, at, at the you pre- preconception, it's not, it's not as bad, right? It's not, it's not like I'm going to take the female daughter offspring that actually yes. she's born and let her out to die. Right. So now you can do it genetically. So in some ways you're saying, well, it's except actually, then you're it's, going to it's, saturate it's your society human. with right. males which, which and then you're not going to have enough, which is what China and India specifically are dealing with right now. Yes. Um, you we know, have again, more males than we have females they've dealt with it. to partner up right. with them. You know, they've Although, of, you know, not that you need to partner up with an opposite sex per se. I don't want to, you know, say, but, well, uh, you know, yet they're, they're finding that they, from the perspective of reproducing, yes. you continue your population. You yes. Do. Um, well, yeah. no, no, I mean, technology yeah. can deal with that. Yes. Too. I mean, there, there's, you know? there's been stories about <laughs> what you do want about with about, but um, in certain societies, it's more frowned upon created. than others. So, right. Well, the issue comes back to is, is there is with all technologies is just because we can do something. Does that we mean we yeah. should do something caveat it with that? That if we as the civilized society, those of us that tend to live within the bounds of laws and rules, there's always going to be the shadow part of society that doesn't give a hoot or crap that will do this on an underground basis, yes. right? Um, so why you have to research it, though, is because you have to learn to deal with the consequences if it does go underground. Um, and things start to happen, you have to learn. So but why research on things that you have to do is because sometimes you have to study to understand something so that you can necessarily, so that you not necessarily have to do it, but you learn how to combat the unintended consequences thereof. I'm not sure if I was somebody who could come up with these new technologies that I would even want to. But it's this, right? It's because I'm not sure that I would want to have that on my head that sure. I came up with a new technology and then just turned it loose on society to do with it what it may. But you know, but my wrong point or is, right. My point is the people that are doing it within the sphere of scientific community and discussion yes. are doing us a service because I guarantee you for every Jennifer Dudna that's going out and presenting it to Ted global in London, there are probably in the shadows tens or dozens of scientists that are working purely for financial gain yes. that are doing the same work. Oh yeah. Yeah. So my point is you have to accept the public, because I'm telling you, in the shadows, people are doing oh, yeah. this type of work. Definitely, I agree. And they may not have be as um, <laughs> ethically, you know. Centric. Oh no, most you know, people. Yeah, I mean, think in so in the both politics has to be done. and healthcare are two of the biggest fields where people make some very unethical choices. I think. Right. So my point is. And money um, drives a lot of those unethical choices. You know, I, I think, again, this is one of the things where the discussion has to be had, where if you just squash it outright, if you just try to kill a technological improvement, it goes underground and it gets really bad. You, what you have to do is have the public discussion and say, here's what we're going to agree upon as a society, and that is while you can choose to eliminate diseases in your unborn child, we're not going to let you pick the gender of your child. Yes, except if you really want to, you can find somebody who will. But then again, it, right, <laughs> there 
it's a, it comes down to money and it comes down. To yes. Ethics, it comes but, down. People who can afford it will find somebody who will do it. Right. But I think that overall, the goal of trying to make it an ethical discussion is a goodness. And, yes. and to not, my, my point is simply have the discussion in public because if you don't, if you try, this is the problem. People a lot are going to have it regardless. A lot of religions, right. People yes. try to hide things because they just don't want to, they, they don't want to talk about it. Whereas having the discussion while uncomfortable is better in the yes. long run. That's my I mean, point. It's just like talking to your kids about sex. Right. Somebody's going to do it. Do, so like, it should be, should be you and you should do it correctly. Exactly. Yes. So anyway, I think this is pretty cool. If you want to learn more, we'll put the link up. Um, just so freely, it's the technology they're inventing. Once again, you can tell this is a, this is nerds because they've, they've, they've called it. The, the technology is called CRISPR CRISPR dash CAS nine, which I'm sure has a really good technological scientific it, it reason. It probably has a gene. Right. But, yeah. but when it comes to sex appeal in terms of talking about it, it's so nerdy. Anyway, with that, um, uh, Harvard scientists have created a material that light that lets light go infinitely fast. Um, which blows your mind because, right, because the rule is that the speed of light is the universal speed limit is, is what we've been taught in terms of rel, uh, general relativity. Nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. The actual photon moving um, at the speed of light. And now they're saying light can travel faster than. So what they're saying is that, so this is where, again, where it comes down to, People, that, if you deal with electricity, you can appreciate this, and that's why I guess I'm, I'm I like the story. Yeah, it just doesn't appeal to me as much. So, if you have a wire, right? Say it's a foot long wire, right? Mm-hmm. And I apply a charge to it. We know that it's electrons that are moving, right? Yes. When you apply a charge to it, though, the electron that starts at the right side of the of the copper wire doesn't go at the speed of light. Up to the other end, right? Mm-hmm. So in theory, that, that electron should be at the other end when I apply a voltage for a second. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen. The electron, the, the physical electrons move very slowly. It's the electromagnetic force that travels through. Basically, think of it like a pond of water, right? Okay. Or a pipe of water. Yes. And if I, I fill a pipe up completely with water and I add one more drop to, the, uh, to one end, Mm-hmm. At the other end, another drop is going to push out of that pipe. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same drop. It's not the same drop of water I added. What happens is that drop of water that I add simply pushes all the other pieces of particles of water until one at the other end falls out. But it does so very fast. Well, that's the same thing with electricity. The electron that I add to the circuit to stimulate it isn't mm-hmm. the electron that pops at the other end. Well, so too with photons. So what the story is basically saying is um, they haven't found a way to actually make the elect- the photons move faster than the speed of light. What they're calling is called the phase velocity, the speed at which the light's wavelength crests are moving. So again, it's a, the force. It's not we're actually moving a particle faster than the speed of light. It's that we're moving the force through it through a medium faster than the speed of light. Um, which, so you're asking, okay, well, that's really fantastic. No, what does that mean? <laughs> right? Like, so, okay, how does that change my, my life? Um, 
So what there's so here's the story. Here here's the win. Uh, so if you have a story, if you have a material that can do this, right? They call it has a, it has a refractive index of zero. Things begin to get weird as light passes through it. The crests and troughs stretch infinitely to create a flat line where oscillations mm-hmm. occur as a factor of time, not space. Flattening the wavelength allows light to be easily manipulated without losing energy. The industrial potential from the telecommunications to quantum computing is nearly limitless. In quantum optics, the lack of a phase advance would allow quantum emitters to, in a zero index cavity or wave guide explain this in to emit photo hold on to emit photons which are always in phase with you another lost me like five minutes ago basically what this happens is that we begin to get to a point where we can have computers and communications equipment that can transmit over vast distances instantaneously okay that's really where the value of this stuff comes in at is that you begin to have things where the computers become really fast and the communication occurs really fast. That's the bottom line. Okay. I got you now. Um, but and then again, the, the whole issue with all this type of technology is while it really, it works great in a laboratory when you try to go out and actually make a commercial product off the stuff, it fails miserably. Cause a lot of times you need such exacting, um, you know, the, the conditions, right, conditions that have to yeah. be just perfect. Where the real world, we all know it's not that. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. So we'll be curious to see if it's actually, if it's become something or not. Uh, let's get it. And this is useful when we get to space travel and we really start doing space travel for real. Mm-hmm. We don't want to wait, you know, minutes between I send the transmission and you receive it. I want, uh, we're used to having instantaneous communication. Yes. We want to have that even when we go between planets. Um, and eventually between solar systems. So anyway, pretty cool. Uh, all right, last story. Uh, Thomas Jefferson's lost chemistry lab, and they use that term. It's not really actually Jefferson's personal one. Um, it's well, I guess what he was he was um, a, you know endowed. Um, anyway, they have found his uh, lost lab at the University of Virginia. Hmm. So, um, I guess that one of their buildings, they call it the, I guess it's called the Rotunda. If, if that's what the name of the building is, or if it's just that this particular building has mm-hmm. a Rotunda, um, which was built in 1826 um, at the university, again, the University of Virginia. Um, it was inspired by the Pantheon Rome, Thomas Jefferson. Right, so it was designed, designed by Thomas Jefferson. Right. So he didn't actually use it. So that's so that's the question I had. The article. How did they know? Plays. Like how? How did they know? Right. So here's what happened. So um, this building that was used originally for a lot of early chemistry science. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in Jefferson's words, he was it was to symbolize the authority of nature and the power of reason, uh, and the search and the separation of church and education. The idea that while education is useful to teach certain things or church and religious is useful for teaching perhaps ethics that science and education should be separated. There should be a distinction. When was Thomas Jefferson alive? Like, uh, he was what he would have been before 1776. So 1750s to 17, 18, early 1800s, mid 1800s. Because this says it was constructed in 1826. 
All right, so here we go. Let's just go to the question. Let's go, let's go ask Google because you're now trying to make me look bad. No, I'm just saying. I'm just thinking. Like, was this designed actually by him or by? Was it designed from Jefferson? Jefferson from lived him? for almost. I think or Jefferson what? lived a you long know. time. Yeah, so Jefferson lived from 1743 to 1826. Wait, and the building was constructed in 1826? Uh, okay. Yes, so at the end of All his right, life. All so, right, okay. All right. I hope to be kicking at the end of my life. Um, so that that's why I say the whole quote-unquote Tom Thomas Jefferson's lab, I, I do put that kind of in quotation marks. Yeah. Um. The fact is that, but he was, I mean, at, at, at Monticello, he was very much involved. He was very much a science guy, right? He, even so far as he took the Bible, there, that's why there's the Jefferson Bible, that he took the Bible and he said, you know, like, I like the idea of the the ethics that Jesus taught, like, you know, be good to your neighbor, mm-hmm. take care. But the supernatural stuff about him walking on water and turning, yeah, this is bullshit. So he, he took, he took the Bible and he actually removed what he thought was crap and left except what i mean i know but what stops anybody from doing that really it doesn't stop anybody but the point is he was he was a person so my point of the story i think we should all do that with right when we go back to we talk about our friendly fathers were christian yes they were Basically, their their belief system was based on a they Judeo. They lived on the Christian principles. They lived on the Judeo yes. Christian principles, yes. whether or not that quote unquote they were Christian. Um, a lot of them I think were the de- problem. No, deists, I, I honestly than, think they were Christian. I think they weren't Christian the way that Christian is defined in our society now. Right, I would agree. That's with that. for sure. To, this this this. No, yes, they were Christian. Almost their cult like. Yes, it it has evolved into a strange and not necessarily true to itself definition. Let's get back to the story before we get into offsides. Yeah, we don't want to get trapped on our Um, engineer. uh, So basically, what they found was, you know, for heat back in the day, they they had fires, right? They used fires, and they had hearths, and they had fireplaces. Mm-hmm. So what they found was that, um, for most of the, I guess that would be the 19th century, they used this. Um, they had these chemistry classrooms in the building was known as the Rotunda at University of Virginia. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in 1895, there was a fire uh, which destroyed much of the building's interior. Uh, so at the time they did a bunch of renovations and they decided to basically move the chemistry out of that building into another building. Yes. Building and, and basically they close off all the hearths that were used for teaching chemistry as Jefferson signed it. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to 2015, 2014, 2015, they're, they're going back through and doing yet another renovation. And they're kind of taking stuff back down to the studs. And in doing so, they found they basically – Opened the walls up to expose these hearths that were used in Jefferson's day to teach chemistry, and they found them. And they Except in Jefferson's day, is his days were pretty limited, <laughs> right? As, I mean, as as Jefferson designed them to be used for people to teach. Ethics. Yes, yes. You no, know, uh, you know it, it, the it, fact it, that the building was constructed the same year he died makes you wonder if how much 
you know, input right. he had in it, I guess. But but he did. He did have some. So the the point, the long story point is, um, it, I think Thomas they used Thomas for Thomas Jefferson in the in the title to give it the the link date. We'll the, give it some clout. Right. Yeah. The point is though, it is it is a way of showing how we taught chemistry back in the early 19th century, yeah. which is pretty cool. Um, the fact that, again, um, you know, America's always had this thrust and desire to learn the science and understand how our universe and our world really works. Um, and the fact that they did in this pretty kick-ass looking building, you know, that looks very historic. That looks just like the college I went to, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> for some of us, we didn't have that privilege. Washington College has, there's there's types of uh, stately looking buildings too. Well, we didn't have that at UMBC <laughs> because we were, we were a school built in the 1960s, so. Um, You're more modern. We are modern. So university, that's, so yeah. is your brother though. So there yes. you go. Maybe even one day your daughter. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, so that's it for this week. That's all the stories I got. You got anything yep. else? Nope, I'm good. You're good. Um, I'm feeling a little sober again. This is kind of distressing. <laughs> I think I'm out Poor of fire. Thing. I'm out of Firefly. That's sad. You're out of it. I'm out of Firefly. Yep. Jeez. Jeez. You did drink quite a bit then. So with that, you had almost a whole half a bottle yes. this morning. It's all good. That's a shame. It's so sad. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so head over to steampowerpodcast.com where you can find links uh, to everything else that we do. Um, you can also head over to audibletrial.com slash steampowerpodcast to sign up for a free 30-day trial with Audible. Um, I just – so uh, I went on a trip recently for work. I needed to have something to listen to while I flew, and I just downloaded the first um, book of um, this, what we know as uh, Game of Thrones, which actually Game of Thrones was actually the first book mm-hmm. in uh, the series that is known as A Song of Fire and Ice. So the overarching series is actually called A Song of Fire of Ice book series, the first book of which is Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. even though on television – the series is known as Game of Thrones. Okay. So I'm listening to that. It's actually pretty good. It's my first. Yeah, um, I need to pick another one because I'm mine is. Uh, it's my I'm first um, non uh, nonfiction. Uh, my first fiction book. My first yes. fiction book, and it's pretty good. Um, the guy named Roy Dotrice is the uh, narrator, and he's really good. He does he does different voices for different characters. So because ha- like Game of Thrones has a crap ton of characters, so that's pretty cool that he does voices. For each one. Okay. You good? Yes. All right. You got any dad? No. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yes. So we'll wrap it up with that. Um, again, steampowerpodcast.com. Find links to everything else we do. Submit us stories. Tell us what you want to talk about. Uh, and with that, until next time, I guess it's um, keep it quirky. Stay no, quirky. No, stay quirky. Stay quirky. Keep it steamy. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Bye.